Marcus Smart opens up about looking over his shoulder as a point guard, and Ime Odoka continues to gush about Al Horford. It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Rainy days back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it. Got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. That's the best way. Melly. Hey there, thank you for making the Locked On Celtics podcast your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Celtics is free and available everywhere on all platforms, including YouTube. Thank you for watching there. And at LockedOnCeltics.com, where you can get all past episodes. Check it out. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. And I've written a book called the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. If you're watching on YouTube, it's the book right behind me. Get it everywhere books are sold. Signed copies available on johncorrales.com. Today, Marcus Smart. I sat down with Marcus Smart. I had a a little one-on-one. I'll share uh, some of those comments with you. And In in the first segment coming up later, uh, Al Horford is clearly the apple of Emio Doka's eye. He continues to gush about Al Horford. I'll uh, share his comments with you there. Let's start with Marcus Smart. Now, normally, under normal circumstances, and I hate that I can't do this, I would share the entirety of my conversation with Marcus Smart. I wrote the piece on Boston uh, Sports Journal for Marcus Smart. He, He said the other day that he was looking over his shoulder. He said that at media day. So I decided to sit down and ask him about looking over his shoulder. The audio, the way that things are set up over there, the audio, it didn't work out where I could share it. So the, the it's just not not shareable. Uh, technical glitch, totally on my end. Normally, because I love sharing full context, I would share the entire conversation so you could hear from the player and make your own judgment. So so it can't be accused of cutting up what he said and spinning it a certain way. Unfortunately, like I said, can't do that this time around. I I know what I need to do next time. To make that happen. So my apologies there. So I'm going to share with you just a couple of things, a couple of uh, comments that he made to me that I thought were interesting. So first of all, he is very clearly, very adamant about his offensive abilities right now. We all think about Marcus Smart as a defensive menace. He very clearly is focused on his defense, always focused on his defense. He knows that he's a defensive monster, but He is also very clearly not happy about the way he's perceived offensively. He he was upset. He said last year, he basically spent all his time in the corner. And he was just kind of standing there and waiting, and there was nothing for him to do. And I think he feels like a lot of his offensive talent is wasted. Marcus Smart very clearly believes that he is a very good player on both ends of the floor. And one comment that he made in a roundabout way, he was obviously talking about Ben Simmons. He was talking about he he sees his shot selection. He knows how the shot selection is perceived and so on and so forth. And he says, you know, sometimes, uh, yeah, 
who doesn't take bad shots? You look at the best players in the league and they take bad shots. Everybody takes bad shots. So he said that in the context of, why is it that I get crap for taking bad shots sometimes? We all take bad shots. Uh, so he he's very obviously not thrilled with the way he's perceived. And then he said, hey, some guys don't even shoot and they become all-stars, which is an obvious Ben Simmons reference. And you look at Ben Simmons versus Marcus Smart and Simmons, a monster defender and all of that stuff. We know what he, what Ben Simmons is. We know when he gets out into the open court, how lethal he can be. I get that. But also in the half court, he is, he's, he's basically Lonzo ball without, without even shooting like the, the same kind of mindset. Lonzo lethal in, in transition half court, eh. but at least Lonzo shoots, he can spot up. So Ben Simmons, anyway, that's my little Ben Simmons mini rant. Uh, Marcus Smart very is, is, is very clearly trying this season to impress upon people that, yeah, I am a point guard. Everybody needs to remember that I'm a point guard. And so I asked him specifically about when you say looking over your shoulder, what did that, what does that mean? And he said, look, I got drafted sixth overall. I was a point guard when I was drafted. They, so let's just pause that for a second. The Celtics drafted a defensive-minded point guard, sixth overall. And he's thinking, hey, I went sixth. That's pretty high in the draft. I don't know if people remember. It feels like people forget that Marcus Smart was the sixth overall pick in the 2014 draft. So then he continues on. He says, I get here they've got Rondo. Rondo leaves, they bring in Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson leaves, they bring in Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas leaves, they bring in Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving leaves, they bring in Kemba Walker. It's just point guard after point guard after point guard after point guard. From Marcus Smart's perspective, he's like, hey, why do you keep bringing in all these point guards? I'm right here. I can point guard for you. Now, I, I'm, there, there are circumstances here at play. So yeah, they had Rondo already. And in the trade, they ended up getting Jameer Nelson. Um, okay, Isaiah Thomas became available, and that was just by sheer circumstance. In the course of trades and players becoming available, when Isaiah Thomas, when they acquired Isaiah Thomas, he just happened to be available for nothing. So Danny Ainge made the smart move by getting Isaiah Thomas. No one's going to question that he didn't make a smart move. Going for Kyrie Irving in that moment, was a smart move. Kyrie just happened to become available. Circumstance, circumstances dictate that, well, we were going with Isaiah Thomas. If, if Kyrie never asked for a trade, Ainge could have said, hey, we're going with Isaiah Thomas. And if he was hurt, Marcus Smart would have been our starting point guard. And that could have been the circumstance. But that changed. Kyrie comes in, doesn't work out. The quick pivot, Kemba happens to be a point guard. Kyrie's obviously... Uh, a much more dynamic player, a better player than Marcus Smart. Kemba, especially at that time, coming off multiple all-star appearances, I get it. But in Marcus Smart's mind, he's thinking, you know, I I could be an all-star. I think Marcus Smart believes that he can be an all-star if he was given the opportunity. Now, whether that's a little bit of his own ego at play, maybe, probably, but you got to have that ego to be great in the NBA. Uh, the the whole looking over his shoulder thing, 
And, and moving forward, he wants to prove, he wants to show people, I am a good point guard. And look, I'm on record here. I believe that he can be a good starting NBA point guard. Defensive stuff, we know. Put that aside for a minute. Offensively, Marcus Smart can pass. He is a tremendous passer. I see people commenting. I wrote that story in Boston Sports Journal. The comment section full of people who are like, nah, I don't believe you. Uh, Marcus Smart makes uh, a lot of, uh, what were the plays? Like basically saying he makes a bunch of stupid plays, um, which is not true. That's just not true. Marcus Smart does not make a bunch of stupid plays. I don't know where that perception comes from. Marcus Smart makes a lot of intelligent, really smart plays. He baits guys. That whole James Harden two offensive foul thing, he baited him into that. Those flopping things that he does that maybe piss some people off, he at least gets himself into position. He understands the situation, the time, the space, the player's tendencies. He understands all of that stuff. And he gets into a position where he can draw these fouls. That's smart. That's smart play. There's a reason why he led the team in assists this past season. Because he sees things and can get the ball to where it needs to be. You know, for, for the past few years, where we were talking about how no one on the Celtics can throw alley-oops, Marcus Smart was the only one who could throw alley-oops. He can, he can run the pick-and-roll. He is a good pick-and-roll point guard. You run a pick-and-roll with him and Robert Williams, there's a good chance something positive is going to come out of that. Or a chance for something positive, at least. I don't know where the venom comes from Marcus Smart. Well, I do know where the venom comes from Marcus Smart. It's because he misses a bunch of shots. And he said, the very last thing that he said to me, I asked him, what will be a successful season to you? And he said, um, if I can increase my shooting percentage, my three-point percentage, which is the first thing that he said, I can increase my three-point percentage, uh, improve my assist-to-turnover ratio, get an uptick in my assists, and make my teammates better that would be a successful season to me. So, and that was an open-ended question. He didn't bring up the defense. That was the exact sequence of things that he brought up. He wants to shoot better from three. He wants to improve his assist to turnover, take better care of the ball, get more assists, and make his teammates better. True point guard stuff. I believe that Marcus Smart can do this. I am fully on board with the decision to make Marcus Smart the starting point guard. This year, Marcus Smart personally is absolutely focused on proving people wrong when it comes to him offensively. He is dead set on proving to people that he can be a good starting point guard. So watch Marcus Smart this year. Watch for him to see what he can be, how he's going to be, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised if you're a Marcus Smart skeptic. I am drawing the line in the sand. I, more than ever, believe that Marcus Smart is going to come in this year and be a good point guard. I don't know if he's going to be an all-star level point guard. He, he probably is gunning for that, but I think Marcus Smart can be a really good point guard. And by the end of the season, I think people are going to be like, well, you know what? I, I'm prepared to do a victory lap when it comes to Marcus Smart. I'm very prepared. I'm already stretching out. That's how confident I am in Marcus Smart 
being a good point guard, offensive player this year. Up next, Ime Odoka probably has that same feeling that I have about Marcus Smart. I think Ime Odoka has that and maybe more about Al Horford. He loves Al Horford. I talked about it yesterday in the podcast. I'm going to continue because that conversation continued at practice on Thursday. That's next. First, I got to tell you about Indeed. If you are looking to hire, then you need Indeed. When things get hard, this is the job site that makes makes hiring incredibly simple. You can attract, interview, hire, do it all in one place, the interviewing, all of it at Indeed. So don't just hope for the perfect candidate. Indeed's instant match will give you a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed. The instant, the moment when you hit publish for your sponsored job, they will give you that list of people who match your requirements. With Indeed assessments, you can choose from 135 skills tests to make sure you're finding applicants from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now. Join 3 million businesses worldwide, and you can get a $75 sponsored job credit on top of it to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. That offer is valid right now. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market right now. It's my absolute favorite. There are a ton of flavors. They taste like a candy bar. Uh, There's chocolate. There's coconut. There's uh, mint brownie. There's salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream. These are all, these is like I'm listing off candy, but 17 to 18 grams of protein in each one of these. Calories between 130 and 180. Four to five grams of sugar, four to five net carbs. So they're not only delicious, they're healthy. And right now, special edition, it's the... I have them right here. Cookie dough chunk. This real cookie dough that I'm loving these things. Um, I have one every day when I go to the gym. It's great after I work out. Feeds my muscles with the protein. Doesn't blow out my cardio. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off every time you use it. So go try this chocolate cookie dough with real chunks of cookie dough or try a special flavor or try whatever flavor. Use it every time you're going to get 15% off your order with the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Thank you once again for making the Locked On Celtics podcast your first listen of the day. Going to get into more of Emi Odoka talking about playing with a fast pace, a continuation of yesterday's conversation coming up in segment three. First, make your second listen one of the other Boston sports podcasts. Locked On Patriots has all of the Tampa Bay return covered. Uh, Locked On Bruins preseason coverage, preseason games going on right now for the Bruins. Locked On Red Sox on the Sox epic meltdown, losing to the Orioles. I mean, come on. Just so disappointing. Go check them out to commiserate with the the folks over there at Locked On Red Sox. Let me kick off this segment with a question from the mailbag. If you want to send in questions, uh, 
over the off season, I've done uh, a, a variety of mailbags, a series of mailbags. The mailbag is going to be more sparse during the course of the season when there's a, a little bit of a lapse. I can dig into a mailbag, but otherwise I'll sprinkle them in as appropriate. You can go to johncorrales.com slash mailbag to submit your mailbag question and I can try to get it onto the show as best I can. So it's johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Robert used the submission form to say, Hi, John. I would appreciate hearing your view on the situation with Al Horford in Boston. Do you remember his last season with the Celtics? All he did was watch rebounding contests and miss layups. Yes, we all love Al Horford and those dreamy eyes of his, but that season clearly showed that he is no longer an NBA standard player. The contract the Sixers gave him made Al the most overpaid player in NBA history. Why did Danny or Brad acquire that giant lemon? <laughs> Why would anyone want Al Horford on their roster at any price? Is there something I've missed? Well, let's ask Ime Udoka, who was asked today, uh, Thursday, if Al Horford looks fresh. He does. It's noticeable. Um, you know, whether he found the fountain of youth or it's just the time off that he got uh, not playing all the games last year in Oklahoma City. Uh, I mentioned having him in Philadelphia where, um, you know, he set out some games here and there, but for the most part, he's come back in shape. He looked great since the day he came into training camp and, you know, talked about how he took care of his body and how much of an opportunity this is. And he's happy to be back. So you can see with his body and, and how he's playing, he looks lively, fresh, and, you know, looks rejuvenated. So we're, we're loving what we're seeing from him. And you had mentioned that in Philly, maybe he wasn't put in the best positions. I mean, from can you go a little more into that? Just what did you see? How could he have been used? How was um, it? Just in general, we had a big team. Obviously, uh, you know, you got him and Joel, but then you got Tobias and Ben and some big bodies there. And Josh Richardson was part of that. But um, a lot of times, you know, you're going to put your bigger player. A lot of teams put big players on Ben. And then obviously save one for Joel. So a lot of times they had, you know, two guards and small forwards on Al a lot. And I felt, you know, we could have took advantage of some of those, um, not only putting him in positions, but getting his mentality right to attack those mismatches. So that's just something that I saw while I was there in my time. But, um, you know, he, like I said, last year in Oklahoma, he was more back to himself. And, you know, the two times we played him last year, he played great, uh, played with that young group and having the time off is making, made him rejuvenated, but we're also putting the emphasis on, if they're guarding, you know, Jason or whoever it may be with a bigger body, you got to take advantage of those other guys. Why would anyone want Al Horford on their roster at any price? Ime Odoka will take Al Horford on his roster at any price. This is very clear. And I needed to reiterate this. It's almost like a repeat of, let's say I said things yesterday and Ime Odoka today separately. I didn't ask him these questions, actually. It was other people. It I, I posed some things yesterday, and Ime Odoka just basically confirmed them. Um, on I, I asked, I, I did it on the Wednesday show or the Thursday show, and then at Thursday practice, Udoka confirmed what I said. So I was thinking, hey, you know what? Ime Odoka's talking a lot like Al Horford's going to be the starter, and everything that came out of his mouth about about Horford was very clear. It's about creating matchups, matchup issues, playing him off of the Jays. I'm, I'm thinking that he's, he's now moving into the starting role. That meter that I was talking about in yesterday's show, the starting, the starting lineup meter with Al Horford in it, which was a little lower. 
I'm pushing that kind of close to the top, maybe at the top. I feel like Al Horford now, after a week of, of practice, the Celtics are off on Friday. I'm, I'm starting to move. Like I, I believe that Al Horford's going to be in the starting lineup somehow. And I think it's going to be at least for the first preseason game. They're going to see how it looks. I would, I would bet that it's going to be Rob and Al in that starting lineup. You hear how he's talking about the Philly days and how they could have taken advantage of this and how playing next to Tatum and Brown that he's looking for Horford to create matchups. What I think Udoko wants is a starting lineup of smart, the Jays, Rob and Horford. And maybe you play Horford in shorter bursts and you sit him down for a little bit and then bring him back with Dennis Schroeder because I like the pairing of Schroeder and Horford, but whichever it is, he, I think wants that starting lineup where a big has to choose. Is he playing Horford? Is he playing Robert Williams? If the big is going to play Robert Williams, cause Rob is not going to be going all over creation on the perimeter. And you now have a four that has some size Instead of putting that size on Jason Tatum to try and bother his shooting, you now have to decide, am I putting that guy on Tatum or am I putting that guy on Horford? Are you challenging Al Horford to take advantage of a smaller player on him? Do you defend Tatum and say, hey, look, we're going to put length on Tatum. We're going to try to make him shoot over the top of that. We're going to make it difficult and force him into mid-range fadeaways, the weakest part of his game. Is that going to be their strategy or are they going to put the big guy on Horford and is Horford going to punish that mismatch enough where the other team has to make a choice? I'm, if I'm getting into Udoka's brain, I'm thinking that his line of thought is to make Tatum better. We're going to put Horford out there and this whole concept of when he says we could have had him punish those mismatches more in Philly, he is going to do that now. In fact, he might be trying to prove a point. It's possible. I don't know how it went down with Brett Brown or maybe Joel Embiid or whatever. As I said in yesterday's podcast, if you didn't hear it, it's hard to tell Joel Embiid, get out of the way because Horford has a two guard on him and we're going to let Horford cook. Embiid is not that type of guy. Embiid is all about Embiid. Embiid cannot help himself. So him stepping away and saying, yeah, let Al Horford cook. No, there's a reason why that everybody that Embiid plays with has trouble fitting next to Embiid because it's Embiid's way or no way. And so I think Udoka wants to make this work just so the folks in Philly can be like, oh, Oh, if we had just done what you had said, then we would have been okay. You think about it. They had Horford. And if Udoka does something here that works with Horford, think about the headlines in Philly. If Al Horford plays the four next to Robert Williams and he gets those mismatches and he punishes those mismatches and the story in December becomes, whoa, Al Horford and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are such a dynamic trio because opposing defenses have to pick a poison and Horford is still capable of punishing a mismatch 
and, and making those defenses decide, and it's opening up the world for Tatum and Brown. If that's the story, it'll get back to Philadelphia. It'll get back to Sixers fans, and they'll be like, wait a second, where was this? And now you say, well, we had Adoka as the assistant coach, and, well, he clearly, he now, he, he's now saying, yeah, I wanted to do this in Philly, and we didn't. So if that happens and it works in Boston, then that's a little extra mm, to the Philadelphia folks because that's why you got Horford. That's part of why you got Horford, and it didn't work. So I think there's, on top of everything, on top of him hoping that this works and thinking that it could work, I think there's a little, you know, hey, Philly, just, just wanted to let you know that I tried this with you. Just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, Philly. I tried this. You didn't want to listen. Now here we are in Boston and it works. So that just continues my, my belief. Uh, Emi Odoka is all in on Al Horford. Up next, Emi Odoka again confirms something that I said yesterday in the podcast. That's coming up next. First, I got to tell you about Bet Online. Football is back. Football is here. Pro football, college football. I just watched Miami lose a college football game by uh, doinking it off the upright. That cost better some money. But you can go to Bet Online. If you had bet against Miami, you would have won. So check them out there. Uh, use the promo code Locked On when you sign up. Promo code is Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, you missed out on the 100% welcome bonus. Now it's down to 50. So 50% welcome bonus now on your first deposit. You deposit $200, you get a $100 welcome bonus. That promo code is locked on. So you want to bet on football, you can get the uh, you know updated odds, props, contests, all of that stuff. Your favorite casino games, it's all available on Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet on game where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. If you want to go to fantasy basketball, then use the sleeper app and use game pick. This levels the playing field. It takes away the most annoying thing to me when it comes to fantasy sports, which is setting all my games for the week, busy work, blah, blah, blah. I always forget. And then sitting there and watching the weeks that I actually do make good decisions, I still lose because the other guy has just playing more games, can compile more stats. Game Pick fixes that. You pick one game per week. It's based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, more uh, more than that. Uh, you The one game a week, everyone picks one game a week, levels the playing field. So you really got to know what you're doing here. So check it out. You can do Keeper or Fantasy. You can prefer, if you prefer Redraft, you can do that. It's all covered on Game Picks. So they've cracked the Fantasy Basketball Code. Download the Sleeper app, start a league, pick the game picks option, start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Make sure you're downloading the Sleeper app for all your fantasy basketball. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. If you listen to yesterday's show, I talked about Jalen Brown loving the pace of practice after a couple of days of training camp. And I talked about the pace of play 
And yes, it's about getting up and down. Of course, you want to get stops, get out into transition. When there are rebounds, uh, Ime Odoka said he wants the big wings to get in there and rebound and then bring the ball up themselves. Get it and go. And that is a big part of getting more points on the board. I think the pace of play stuff is to, especially getting up and down in transition, get more possessions. Understanding that this might not be the best offensive team in the league, getting stops defensively, getting out into transition off of steals, off of turnovers, off of missed shots, even off of makes. Getting up and down the floor, playing with a fast pace is going to make up for a bunch of that because you're just getting more cracks at it. By playing faster, you're going to get more field goal attempts. And even if you're maybe not shooting quite as well, just by virtue of getting more field goal attempts, you have a chance to stay in games offensively and let the defense do its work and get stops in the final minute that helps you win a game. However, if you recall from yesterday's show, I said pace is not just about up and down. It's about half court making decisions. And I specifically referenced the San Antonio 0.5 theory that I know Emi Odoka was part of. And I know that that's a big philosophy. Catch the ball, get it, make a quick decision. It's all about quick decisions. Pace in the half court is still pace. Moving the ball, making quick decisions, doing things fast in the half court still is moving at a fast pace. I said all that stuff yesterday. Just in case you didn't believe me, here's Emi Odoka on Thursday. Pace sometimes gets misconstrued with just transition, and we're, we're trying to get them to be um, make quick decisions. We call it 25, whether you catch and shoot, or catch a pass, or catch and move it. Um, those are things we want them to improve on those areas in the half court. Uh, be less ball stoppers. Like, uh, like I said, the easy thing for them and the natural thing is to find the mismatch and isolate there. And, and we, they're going to be doing that as well when they find the proper mismatch. But we really want to encourage them. We're kind of overdosing on that side of it first and then get back to who you are. So, you know, do some of the things that are not as natural for you. Um, you know, I, I point out to Jason throughout USA when he passed up three pointers that he had and he would settle for a tough step back over a big guy when he had the initial shot. So just point out those things and showing them all film and reiterating that, but they're willing guys and high character guys and they're, they're trying to do it and looking great too, trying to do it as well. Basically the same thing that I said, basically the same thing. The concept is there. It's not just about getting up and down the floor. It's about catch the ball, make a decision and understand what's in front of you. It challenges these players to be great. It challenges them to not just be lazy. Look, if you're tired, then sit down. Sit down for 45 seconds. That's not, a, that's not an issue. If you're, if you're spent, you can sit down, get back in the next time out. Because I, as a coach, would rather have somebody fresh out there that's going to do what I want them to do and work the entire offense rather than just get the ball and stand there and go, okay. All right, jab step, jab step. Okay, Carmelo, make a move, do something. You know, that's not, that's not offense. Pace in the half court is going to be one of the most, if not the most important concept offensively that the Celtics are going to implement this year. Pace in the half court. That is 
a primary objective this season. Again, it challenges players because it forces them to be on point all the time. See it, make a move. And it's not just the guy with the ball. It's about guys off the ball giving the guy with the ball an option. When you talk about catch the ball, make a quick decision, this whole point five concept, the onus seems to be completely on the guy with the ball, catch it, make a drive, catch it, take a shot, catch it, pass it. But there are, it, it, there, there are concepts within that. You can catch it, okay? I come off a pin down screen. I catch it, I turn, I see a drive. Boom, I make my decision, it's quick. But then you gotta react to the defense. Someone steps up, what do I do? Now I've gotta pass. What's everyone else doing? There is a responsibility for everyone else on the floor. Okay, I've caught it, I made my drive, I got stopped. Now I gotta trust. Did somebody rotate down in the corner? If I came up from the corner to catch that ball and drive, someone has to rotate to the corner. I know I gotta have somebody on the opposite side. I gotta have outlets that I can trust. And when I'm driving, I say, I see this guy on my hip. Here's the guy I just toasted. Here's this guy on the left, he's, my, he's the help. Here's the big in front of me, here's the secondary help. I gotta account for everything. It's all quick, quick, quick calculations, okay? It's very difficult to do. This is NBA level stuff. You gotta do this real, real fast. That's what makes these guys so elite. It's not just their athleticism, it's to be able to make these calculations so fast. Boom, come off the pin down, catch. One dribble, two dribble. I see, I feel this guy, he's gone. I feel him, I know he's here. I feel this guy here, I see this guy there. I know now, well, if, if guys are where they're supposed to be, I can just turn and whip it here, or I can just turn and whip it there. But it's up to those guys to be there. And then from there, that guy has to make a quick decision. And me just passing it off doesn't mean I just get to jog. Do, 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 do. I did my job. Nope. Now you got to cut. If I just drove to the middle and I pass it off, Boom, I'm going down that baseline to the other corner. That guy's got to rotate up. It's all constant movement. So pace in the half court is not just make that quick decision. It's all five guys realizing I've made this decision Four other guys. Okay, he drove. Here's what I do when he drives. Oh, he shot. I got to find, do I, am, I, am I crashing from the corner? If I pulled up from the right wing, that guy in the left corner, Aaron Neesmith did this a lot, corner crash, dive in behind the defense. That, if I'm taking a long three, if I'm Jason Tatum, and I take that step back three, boom, from the right side, Aaron Neesmith, left corner, crash, get in there for that long rebound, easy put back. That's, that's pace. That's quick decision making. It's complicated. It's all happening so fast, but that's what these practices are about. That's what these things are about. That's what training camp is about. It's about building these habits. You're watching Tatum. You're watching Brown. You're watching Smart. You're on the floor. Here's my position on the floor. I have to react to all of these things and do the right thing and make sure I'm in the right place. Because sometimes you see a guy 
get up and jump and whip a pass out of bounds. And you're like, where the hell was he passing it to? But sometimes there was a guy who was supposed to be there. And he, you can see him talking to those guys. Especially in the preseason, you're going to see passes go out of bounds, and they're going to be like pointing to each other and go, well, me, you, me, what? So pace, half-court pace is very complicated in a lot of ways, but takes effort, takes continuity, takes communication, takes practice building these habits. Um, I'm going to end on this. Ken sent me a question uh, kind of based on this. You, obviously, I'm sitting here talking. You hear me talk about basketball. I get, I, I kind of black out what I'm talking about. I'm picturing, I'm looking at a camera, but if you can tell, my eyes have glazed over because when I'm talking about driving, I see myself on the court from my playing days. Ken says, hey, John, now you're on YouTube. How about showing us any video footage of you in your playing days? I sh- I'm sure a lot of us are curious about your game. Ken, I wish I could, man. I wish I could. This is part of it is because I'm an old. You know, I'm growing my beard in for the winter here. I don't know if you can tell up close, but lots of gray. Lots of gray in this beard. I'm an old man, which means my playing days came basically pre-internet, which is really scary to think. Um, when I was in college, I designed for a class the athletic department's first ever website. The first ever Emerson College uh, website I designed. little trivia question. I don't even know if the Emerson Athletic Department realizes this, but I took a web design class in, in, in college and, and we didn't have a website for the athletic department. So I created one. It was terrible, but I created one. That's where my playing days were. <laughs> so we had uh, VHS. And when I went to Greece, it was more ass backwards because I was in a little village. And look, no phones, none of these phones that we carried around, none of that stuff. There's no, there's no, none, none of those videos exist. And then, and the worst part about this is, it's a long story, but in a conflict a, with my former coach in the athletic department, which ended in my former coach's dismissal, uh, all of the videos that were on VHS ended up getting tossed. So all the videos that were in his room, they ended up throwing away. It's the best information that I got. So I don't have, I don't have a single video. I can't sit here and watch myself. I can't sit here and be the old man reminiscing going, oh, remember when you could dunk, John? Because I could once upon a time, long time ago, but can't do that. So I would love, love, love to show you. All I got, if you're on YouTube, over my left shoulder, it's my, my jerseys. That blue one is uh, one of my jerseys from Greece. The gold one is from Emerson. And the white one here in the corner. I don't show that very much because there's a reflection in it. And I don't want you to see all that. It gets distracting. But that's my, that's my home jersey. The white one's my home Greece jersey. So that's kind of all I got left, which is sad. Uh, it does, it's very disappointing to me because I would love nothing more to the sh- then be able to see it myself, but probably good. It's probably good because I'd probably overshare and people would call me Al Bundy. <laughs> the old, old, uh, married with children reference. But anyway, thanks Ken. I appreciate that. The only thing I can do to, sh- to, to show you my game is to talk basketball the way I just talked basketball for this last segment. Hopefully it comes across, 
Uh, I miss it. I'm sorry, but it's the best I can do. So I really want to thank everybody for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Uh, this is the Friday show, so I'm back on Monday. That's So I'm going to record that on Sunday, getting ready for uh, – I'll tell you what happened on practice uh, over the weekend. The Celtics are off on Friday. They will practice over the weekend. And then Monday, they play their first preseason game, which means I get to record a podcast from the Garden. So once again, podcasting from TD Garden after a game. That's going to be fun with the Garden backdrop. Uh, so check that out. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, make your second listen today, the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. They got you covered with all of the locks, the wrong team favored, and maybe they can help you win a couple of extra bucks. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for watching on YouTube. And thank you very, very much for sharing the podcast. Please spread the word. Let people know that they should be listening to and watching the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.